Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash My Money Health Check. Hello and welcome, I'm Rob Lilly and this is the Witch Shorts Podcast. Now with temperatures plummeting and winter fast approaching, today we get to enjoy a bit of escapism as we head to America's Golden State on a road trip around California. First though, a reminder to leave us a rating and a review if you enjoy what you hear and don't forget to listen to our other podcasts from us here at Witch Too. Just search Witch Money or Witch Investigates wherever you're listening. Now though, on to today's episode. To read us this piece, originally written by James Stewart, I'll hand you over to Harry Kind. In the window of Ferment Gallery in Sonoma are several paintings. They depict empty wooded hills and rich pasture beneath huge poetic skies. In one, dwarfed by the scenery, a pretty cabin sits beside a lake. It takes a while before you realise what you're looking at. This isn't a picturesque landscape as understood in Europe. It is the dream of California, its promise of freedom and fresh starts and a new frontier that has inspired outsiders to hit the road for two centuries. The United States' great story is not about settlement, but movement. From immigration and the gold rush, to the fact that Americans move house almost three times more often than Europeans over a lifetime. That's 11 versus 4. That's why America is the spiritual home of the road trip. And for most of us, that means the nation's most popular route, California's Coastal Highway No. 1, from San Francisco to Los Angeles. It is a great trip, undoubtedly, yet it's touristy, expensive, and as busy as you'd expect. The Golden State is an idea as much as a place. In my imagination, it's an older destination of empty roads rather than traffic jams where feel-good communities replace sprawling, high-tech cities. It's a bountiful land brimming with wine and sunshine. So, I rent a car in San Francisco and do what the gold prospectors and hippie dreamers did. I head north. Over the Golden Gate Bridge and past the houseboats of Sausalito, the camel-coloured hills of California's wine country take over. After an hour, I enter a bygone state. It's market day on Tuesday afternoon when I arrive in Sonoma Plaza. Farmers in straw cowboy hats sit behind hillocks of fruit. A folk band entertains families enjoying picnics on lawns. Around the square's edges jostle film-set America, 19th century stores like stage flats, the sort of balconied hotels you usually see in westerns, and a candy pink theatre that might be from Back to the Future. Hills ripple along the skyline. Beside a stall of homemade jewellery, I get chatting to Rachel, revisiting her former hometown with Mum Trudy for the first time in a decade. Tourism has increased in Sonoma, she says. 
There are also more chic wine bars than she recalls. But, she glances at the wholesome small-town Americana around us and smiles happily, it's still sleepy slow Noma. Why did I ever leave? If California's modern story begins anywhere, it is on this square. On the 14th of June, 1846, when this was Mexican territory, a band of frontiersmen declared California a republic, hoisting a homemade flag of a barren star before the army barracks. Never mind that the Mexican army had left months before, or that the bear was so crude it was mistaken for a pig. Within 25 days, a United States Army Commodore rode into town. Down came the bear flag, up went the stars and stripes. It's tempting to think California carries its separate identity as a folk memory. Once you notice it, the California Republic flag is ubiquitous. It droops from verandas. You see it emblazoned on baseball caps. One morning, I watch a warden open up the Mexican barracks on the plaza's corner. She hangs three flags from its balcony, the stars and stripes, the bear flag, and then the flag of Mexico. I've come to Sonoma not for history, but wine. When Napa Valley swept the board against France in the 1976 Parisian wine competition, it launched America's premier wine region to the world. Big bucks followed, which is why Napa today comes with corporate bling and nightmare traffic, while Sonoma Valley, with its identical terroir just 10 miles west, retains laid-back soul and natural beauty. The irony is that California's first private vineyard was planted barely a mile from Sonoma Plaza. This is absolutely the birthplace of Californian wine, says Anna Pope, trustee of Bartholomew Estate Vineyard. We're ambling through the estate's grounds at the time. Small vineyards pool like lakes beneath low mountains. Californian quail skitter through golden grasses. There's barely a house in sight. It's improbably lovely. I ignore the visitors quaffing beneath oaks and imagine things look not too dissimilar when that first vineyard appeared in 1832. It's now the estate's Syrah Block. Anna explains that the winery exists to fund conservation of the Bartholomew estate land. Public hiking trails ascend mountains and you're welcome to picnic beside the vines. Try suggesting that in Napa and see how far you get. You go to Napa to be dazzled, Anna continues. The Sonoma ethic is about sharing what we have. This place touches people's hearts. That strikes me as rather old California too. The wine? Outstanding, obviously. Bottles of Sauvignon Blanc and Cabernet Sauvignon in the trunk. I hit Highway 101, tracking the old loggers' trail from San Francisco. On Highway 128, I cross into Mendocino County. The road dawdles through small, steep hills where eagles circle. Here and there, a sagging tin roof barn announces the ranch. The talk on KZYX-FM local radio is of an upcoming rodeo, an apple fair in Boonville. That's where I'm headed. A former logging town, barely 150 years young, the hub of the remote Anderson Valley is a half-mile of country stores and cottages between hummocky hills and redwood forest. That country jamboree aside, it's known for boondling, a hyper-local lingo created from Scots-Irish slang, Spanish, Pomo-Indian and in-jokes. Gorman Gano's shies the shoveltooth, advises the town sign. Roughly, eating apples keeps the doctor away. Why is a doctor a shoveltooth? because the teeth of an early medic stuck out, of course. 
To complete the frontier feel, there's Hendy Woods State Park. That woods is a typical Californian insouciance. The 816 acres of redwood forest here are a remnant of a great boreal forest of the Ice Age. To walk beneath these trees for the first time, breathing in pine fresh air, listening to the growls and creaks of 90 meter trunks swaying in the wind that were saplings when the Vikings raided Britain, that is to experience the awe of the first settlers. The smart money was in forestry until the 1950s. Today, it's wine. Experts say that the Anderson Valley has the potential to be for American Pinot Noir what Burgundy is to France. Something to do with clay soils, hot days and cool nights. Perhaps. But if Sonoma is Napa in the 1980s, the Anderson Valley is how it must have been in the 1960s. The 80 or so family vineyards are down home and folksy. Vintages rarely exceed 600 crates. At Pennyroyal Farm, I tour vineyards where sheep graze because it keeps weeds down while boosting soil fertility. I then slurp sensational booze and cheese. Opposite, a green-black wall of redwood forest rises up the valley side. It's a pocket paradise here, my waitress Jocelyn agrees. She arrived from San Francisco seven years ago to devote more time to art. Seeking a fresh start, just like the old days, I suppose. I love how it's not overdone or corporate. Utopia, really. If Sonoma is an escape into an idealised country town, Boonville feels like a tangential reality from the American mainstream. Sure, the beautiful earthenware jugs and carved spoons in a store such as Farmhouse Mercantile peddle a romanticised vision of valley life to San Fran Bay weekenders. But you come less to shop than to hang out among locals. The old-timer with a beard like a prospector watching logging trucks from his porch. The former hippie artist in dungarees chatting at Mosswood Market Cafe. The farmers who pull up outside Rossi & Son hardware store in dusty pickups. Nothing happens quickly. In fact, little happens at all. I love it. I begin to daydream of another life among plaid shirt farmers and renegade creatives. Buying an old pickup truck, drinking wine on the veranda of a forest cottage, perhaps writing that novel. Road trips, however, can assume a momentum of their own. Onwards along Highway 128. Sunlight spearing through redwoods and I'm listening to old-time country music on the radio. After an hour, the forest peters out, the light assumes a luminous quality. And then suddenly I'm on Highway number 1. Surf surging around islets, and the Pacific shining like LeMay. Ahead is Mendocino. This former logging town lay half-abandoned on a bluff until rediscovered by artists in the 1970s. Today it is that perfect little village beside the sea. A loose grid of immaculate wooden cottages. Pillowed in blousy gardens, its broad streets lined by restaurants and boutiques all soundtracked by the soft roar of the sea. If that sounds gentrified, well, Mendocino is. Any town with Sotheby's International as a real estate agent has moved on a bit from the frontier town that supplied timber to San Francisco in the latter half of the 1800s. After a morning's light shopping, I rent a kayak to see where lumberjacks previously floated logs downstream. Whatever I expected from Big River, it wasn't a forested canyon snaking serenely inland. 
a $26 million community conservation effort since 2002, has returned this to one of the longest and wildest estuaries in North California. You'd never guess the place once buzzed with sawmills. My plan is to paddle the full eight miles upstream. The trouble is that the wildlife gets in the way. I drift, watching egrets stalk in marshes and cormorants stand with spread wings on sun-silvered trees. A plop of water announces the arrival of an otter. At one point, a harbour seal appears nearby. We eyeball each other before it stares up at the sun and vanishes with a soft gurgle. I don't make it more than a mile upstream. For those seeking fortunes on the old route west, the Pacific represented journey's end. Still does, I guess. The only options now are north or south. Recalling a woodcut I'd seen in a Mendocino gallery, I drive down highway number one. After about ten minutes, an eagle cruises at head height beside the car. It's so close I can see its wingtips flutter in the updraft off the cliffs. Inland are hills gilded by raking sunlight and moss-bearded pines. The fogs along this coast are legendary. At Elk Village, there's a general store, Queenie's Roadhouse Diner, and a bloke by the verge carving a sun god, his ponytail dangling through a baseball cap. Offshore, America shatters into a meteorite shower of awesome, toothy islets. Wild beaches are littered with salt-bleached logs. It could be Big Sur before the millionaire mansions and over-tourism. Point Arena, 20 miles further on, is retro California made real, a pipsqueak town of hippie galleries and good vibes cafes, where surfers ride the swell at the harbour. Other discoveries lie ahead along Highway 1, if you're prepared to travel 200 miles back to San Francisco. That, however, is another road trip. Thank you to Harry and to James Stewart too, whose original work was published in the November issue of The Witch Travel magazine. Remember you can find more articles you'll find useful every single day on everything from money and tech to home and garden advice and travel as well of course by signing up to one of our many free email newsletters. And you can do that at witch.co.uk forward slash newsletters. We'll be back next week for another episode of Witch Shorts and thanks for listening. Witch Shorts was produced by me, Rob Lilly. While the exec producer was Angus Farker. <laughs>